Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Ocean State Sidelines. I'm Brandon McGear, sports writer with the Pawtucket Times One Socket Call. Pleased to be joined by a member of the URI football team, a local product. He's officially done with his career uh, down in Kingston. He's also a Cranston, Rhode Island native, Malik Gavick. Uh, Malik, uh, appreciate you joining me on the latest episode here. Thank you for having me here. It's a pleasure. Well, um, you know, we should uh, do a side note. Uh, I wrote about Malik for uh, yearview.com uh, right before his final game, or turned out to be his final game in a URI uniform. And, uh, you know, it's kind of a neighbor with the story. Not only is he a, he's a fellow Cranston guy who went to Cranston East, but just as how he was able to rise from being a preferred walk-on to becoming a scholarship athlete and, you know, kind of what's next uh, for Malik in his uh, next chapter of his life now that college football is over. And, We'll delve into all that, but, you know, first things first, and Malik just, uh, you know, wanted to revisit last Sunday. You know, I'm sure you guys all got together to watch the uh, selection show and, you know, kind of learned that, uh, you know, five teams from the CAA got invited, but you were not one of them, me and the Rams. And just uh, what was that message like to Coach Fleming as he addressed you guys for one final time? Um, well, I mean, obviously you can understand that we were all kind of shocked, especially when the uh, the name for Delaware read off as the first the first uh, first couple in there so we kind of knew that it wasn't looking good from then on but I mean is there's really not much you can say from any perspective a coaching perspective or a player to player perspective like it's just you you don't that's just the way life goes on it's kind of how we put on like in, in a respectful way to our feelings and how we're all feeling because obviously he's he's understanding that we just we thought we were kind of gonna go further. And uh, those kind of those those dreams got crushed a little bit, but um, that's kind of how life works, and you gotta go with what the your cards are dealt with. You understand? So um, we know that there wasn't really much more that we could have done uh, in our sense. Obviously, those two losses to William and Mary and UNH played a huge factor into it. Um, but that's just how the season went. Um, came very close, uh, same record as last year, but I do not think it was the uh, the same team um, as last year. No, definitely not. And, and definitely not the same program that you stepped into back in 2017. I think there was a stretch where there was like seven wins combined over a three-year window. And like you mentioned, seven wins over the past two years. Just, you know, first things first, like how much, you know, is this program in a much better spot today as you prepare to move on in life than when you first joined it back in 2017? Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I've said it before, just night and day difference. And it's it's warming to know that you've been a part of something like that and been a part of that change, uh, myself included, and the rest of that uh, that 2017 class. I think that's uh, graduating this year. Um, well, from the uh, from the program. Um, yeah, it's 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 what you set out to do, you know, uh, especially coming from this place. Uh, you want to see the place that you're from being represented well. And I don't think uh, that was the case when I was going in um, as a freshman back in 2017, uh, 2018. And I'm glad that we can turn that around. Uh, honestly, going forward within the program, um, I think not in only just my minds and in, in the way that I see it, but I think this could be uh, a powerhouse program of the Northeast. Um, I think there's competition uh, within a couple pro programs, but I think that we've went to a point where um, – we were at the bottom of the barrel and now we're more ju than just competing. We're, we're fighting neck and neck. It's, you know, so, uh, and that's kind of how the CAA has always been as a conference, but I'm glad that we uh, can kind of put ourselves in that top, top category of the conference with so many um, just well-off teams and programs uh, that we have to face uh, week in and week out. 
you know, going back to 2017, you had offers to go play at the Division Two and Division Three level, but there was something about trying to play at the Division One level where there was nothing guaranteed for you. Just how much, looking back on it, that was really the driving force for you and wanting to go to URI. Um, yeah, I think being kind of the hometown state, everyone wants to represent uh, what they're they they can do uh, kind of at the highest level that they believe they can do it at. But um, beyond that, I think it just fit. Um, obviously, uh, you go take I've took visits and stuff to uh, the Massachusetts schools and stuff that I've mentioned before, but um, they did just didn't feel like the place that suited me. Uh, and you kind of just it's not anything specific. It's just kind of a you, you know when you know type of thing. Um, so I didn't even take a visit to URI. I just kind of went in there and then just left that as my only option. And um, when you kind of go into it like that. You don't really, and this is before transfer portal or anything like that, which really I'm not that type of person to be on that type of time, but um, it makes you really just, you got to get through it. You got to stick through it. And I think that that sticking through and staying within the program, um, not just myself, but others as well, have has definitely cha- been the reason that uh, the program is changing in the ways that it is um, in, in the direction that it is. And uh, like I said before, I'm just glad to be a part of that. But but yeah, it's definitely just a drastic difference. And, you know, one of those differences when you got there is that you were going to be on the scout team primarily. Mm-hmm. That was you were going to make your mark. How much did that represent a vast departure from what you were used to, whether, you know, playing youth football or playing at Cranston East where, you know, you were the guy or one of the guys? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's humbling. It's a wake up call for a lot of people, um, especially when uh, you're not maybe not in my position, but in a position of being recruited heavily. And uh, you still have to go through those those reins of going through the scout team and stuff like that, whatever type of program you're at. Um, but I think it's it's really about the out out the, the way that you look at being a part of the scout team. It's a way to get better versus the number ones. And at that point, I was going against Aaron Parker, uh, Isaiah Coulter, who are both uh, lead talents. So when you look at it from that perspective and that viewpoint, it's just making you better. And if anything, it's giving you more reps. You're not going to get that amount of reps when you're starting in your position because you just can't do that. Um, it's not, It's not built like that. But because you're going to be going against a scout team um, as the offense, you understand. So when you're kind of in that position as a youngin, uh, just use it to to benefit your talents, benefit your um, process, because it's only going to benefit you in the long run if you take it seriously and if you have that outlook. If you look at it like it's just, oh, I'm not getting the playing time you want right now, it's like you're going to get there eventually. So why not just trying to craft, work on your craft until you get that to that point? Because everyone's going to get to that point. Everyone has that mindset. That's why you're here. Um, so just kind of take the cards that you're dealt and then just do the best with them, you know? You mentioned that you went up against Isaiah Coulter and Aaron Parker, two guys who, you know, great wide receivers at URI have spent time in uh, NFL locker rooms. Just how much did going up with those two guys in particular really prepare you to take that next jump in your career at URI? Um. It's funny. I was actually at a. I was playing corner uh, for a couple. A couple of the. Uh, I would split safety and corner back when I was um, around that age of still being on the scout against those guys. Uh, so I would line up against uh, Isaiah Coulter at corner, and let's just say my my talents is not suited well to corner as it is translates to safety. So um, I wouldn't say uh, as far as technique or anything like that helped, but just being up against a dog a dog of a player in both Aaron Parker and, and I, Isaiah Coulter. I mean, you're going to the league. You got to have that dog mentality. And uh, no disrespect to anybody in Rhode Island because obviously 
um, back then. We have we have people that play, but you, that type of talent you don't really see coming from high school Rhode Island football, you know. So when you do have the opportunity to face great talent um, and a great competitive athlete like Aaron Parker and Isaiah Coulter, uh, you got you just got to you got to try your best, obviously, but. Just, just understand that that's going to be the top talent that you're going to see. It's not going to get really much better than that at this level. So it's like, like ride with that. If you keep practicing with this, then it's there's nobody else that you know. What I'm saying you're not going to be ready for to go against and compete with. You had spent two seasons in the program, 2017, 2018, a little action on special teams uh, that 2018 season, but it was November. 9th, 2019 against Merrimack where you enjoyed your breakthrough game where you quote unquote got paid so to speak when you finally got that COVID <laughs> scholarship you know 14 sure. tackles, two fumble recoveries and interception return for a touchdown just you know how much you know that's the game that you're always going to look back on with great fondness because everything turned for you at that point as we'll get into um yeah for sure I mean it was kind of just like a flipping switch I mean uh at that point you're just really given the opportunity of, okay, well, you, you got the start. So now you just got to make the best of, you know what I'm saying? This is the moment that you've been waiting for. So I don't really think I was doing anything out of my position or, or my job. I just think it just happens that place came to me in that, in that part. And I, w I was the guy um, during that, that day, you know, uh, just playing within the defense, but it could have been any other day. It just happened to be me that time. Um, and I had my teammates to thank for that at the time. So, definitely just playing within the scheme of the defense just just worked out. Um, but looking back, yeah, I mean, it was just after that, um, you really you, – you, you have it to yourself where it's like, okay, I can actually play at a high level at this level. And it really gives you a lot of confidence um, kind of going forward within your career um, and knowing that your process is paying off. So, I mean, that's always great to have. But, yeah, I'm very, I'm very um, blessed that – uh, I was given the opportunity and could, could do what I could do, um, given the opportunity. And after that game against Merrimack, you, you, you're with your mom, Tracy, and Coach mm -hmm. Fleming comes up to you and says that, hey, we're going to put you on scholarship. What did that mean to hear, like you said, from the big man and have your mom right there to also kind of share in that great news? Oh, yeah, it was amazing. Um, it was my mother and my, grand, my, my grandmother that were uh, both next to me, actually. And, uh, yeah, he was uh, driving by saw me on my uh, way from the tailgate to the uh, parking lot and uh, came out and just uh, just chopped it up with us for a little bit. But at, at the end of it, yeah, like you said, uh, just said that he's going to take care of me. And uh, it's one of those things that it's just like at that point, you have been waiting to hear something like that for so long that it's just like a sigh of relief, really. Um, but uh, more than anything, it's just like, OK, it's uh, it's a checklist of, you know, this is what I came here to do. Uh, I finally got that. Now what else can I uh, – what what other goal can I set now? Because I just checked this off. I don't want to get stagnant. I want to be complacent. Um, yeah, it's a, it's a sigh of relief. It's like, yes, finally. Um, it's a great happy moment. But uh, then you're just like, okay, now now how can I make a difference within the team going forward and or continuously play at this level? So um, I think it goes hand in hand. You just got to take for, take it for what it is, uh, be happy. But um, like like we enjoy wins, we enjoy it for a day, and then we got to move on next week. Can't stay on us. Can't stay on a, a win too long. So no, it's all about as you know in football, you probably enjoy the moment for like maybe an hour or two, and then you kind of your mind all of a, all of a sudden switches to the next game. 
But exactly. Next couple of years, you guys had to battle COVID issues. You had the abbreviated spring 2021 season and the 2021 more traditional fall season. How much, you know, those two seasons, you know, you'll take away from you in terms of laying the foundation for this particular campaign? Yeah, for sure. Um, it's, it's funny, too. Uh, kind of a whole bunch of stuff hit at that time within the program, um, within battling the COVID, as all the other programs across the country were. But uh, we had just uh, hired a whole new coaching staff at the same time. So um, it's kind of weird uh, in the first regard to have a coaching staff come in um, after you've been in the program for a couple of years and you have to start from kind of ground zero and build that trust and that foundation with them. Um, and then to have COVID on top of that, it just kind of, it makes things a little more difficult as far as it was always uh, WebEx, Zooms or Zoom calls um, online. So you don't really get that face-to-face -face interaction right off the uh, the cusp as you normally would. But um, I definitely think it, it, it kind of, molded us all together to the point where when we did get with each other back um kind of when covid parameters kind of starting to loosen up we can be each other within the pods and stuff like that um that it was kind of just like okay this is the next step that we're taking but we since we had been on the zoom calls and stuff like that um it was a little bit more natural when we did finally meet up in person it wasn't like a finally off the rip like we're meeting this person for the first time type of thing so um i think that helps with how we went forward within, you know, just building the foundation of the program and getting started as far as doing the spring ball that spring, uh, that spring season going forward. You know, you're probably the perfect person to ask this because you've probably, you know, been there for so long, but how much are you seeing maybe the talent improve in Rhode Island homegrown players come into the program since when you started? Oh my gosh. It's so, it's so funny. I talk, um, even even when uh, when Freddie Malay came in, like that's that's probably the first Freddie and uh, Jalen Smith. That was probably like the first indicator where I was like, okay, there's some there's some real talent coming uh, coming out of Rhode Island, and and they're staying home within to stay within the Rhode Island program. Um, but but yeah, it's so it's so exciting. Obviously, my class, you got Quiddy Pay, he's killing it in the league. So, um, but it was always a lot of those one offs. Um, as far as the same thing with like Xavier Trust, you know, like as far as one person going very, very high power five. Um, but I just throughout the years, I just keep seeing more and more and more. And I think it's I think it's amazing that Rhode Island's finally getting the recognition that it, it deserves, because back when I was in 2017, it wasn't it wasn't getting the looks like that. Um, a lot of times it was still eye test that uh, coaches and other programs were were still uh, seeking. So um, I'm glad that I could maybe possibly, I know Marvin Beauvais in front of me, uh, uh, Freddie's talked to me how he's looked at my process and how I've gone here and it's helped him within coming over here. Um, so I'm just glad that that could continue because I know around is such a tight knit community, especially the football community. Um, I would love to just keep seeing that winning and, and, and those kids getting those opportunities and those shots um, to, to show what they can do and show what Rhode Island's about. Yeah, Freddie Malay from uh, Mount Pleasant and uh, Jalen Smith from Shea High School. And then the other thing that kind of stands out here, uh, Malik, is how much the influx from the transfer portal. You know, you've had guys come in from Rutgers, Boston College, UConn, Notre Dame. You know, uh, Kasim Hill played at Maryland and Tennessee before coming, or, or he was with the Tennessee program before coming. And just how much has maybe the transfer portal been a great equalizer and even elevating the talent in the URI program? 
Oh, I think um, beyond bar none, one of our best our best attributes as a program is our recruiting ability, um, and I think that's been like that since I've stepped into the uh, to the program. Um, just the amount of talent that we can get here, I think, is uh, a tribute to obviously the coaching staff. Um, the transfer portal definitely helped out as far as being able to get guys quickly and effectively, um, especially pretty pretty effectively as far as you can see. They 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 map it out very well about who who's in the transfer portal, how how fast, who they're talking to, and stuff like that. So um, I think that helped out. But I think, like I just said before, Rhode Island has such a tight knit football community that that does isn't just within Rhode Island high school football. That translates up to college football, and I think that community's that presence is felt um, not just home games, but just within all the cusp of surround everything surrounding football. I really think that presence is felt. Um, which helps people come here. I think that's why people want to come here. They feel like it's a family. Um, everybody, I know we've had uh, like senior defensive meetings and stuff like that at the end of the season, kind of just wrapping it up, recapping, just saying thank yous and stuff. And so many people have just said from other places that within the transfer portal that this place just feels like a family and they never thought it, it, it meshed so quickly and so genuinely for them. Um, and I just think that's a tribute to the, the Rhode Island community as a whole. What was it like to share that senior day moment, you know, against Albany a couple of weeks ago uh, with your mom out there, you know, part of that festivities? It was a, kind of like the the final salute to a six-season career for you at URI. Oh, mm -hmm. uh, yeah, definitely. My mom and my godfather actually uh, were out on the field with me. And uh, my mom is just uh, – it's like, yeah, you can't thank somebody enough for everything that they've done. Like, you can try a thousand times, but it's just – there's no way that you can put – what you've seen them do for you um, into words to thank them. But yeah, my mom has been there for me uh, forever. And uh, I've, I've seen her uh, work a ton and, and, and uh, have us not even struggle a ton, but just, just continuously um, provide uh, for me to make sure that I had uh, what I needed and that, that it was never a problem to get what I needed. Um, and I just can't thank her enough for that. But yeah, having her out there at the field, um, always showing up to games, even when I wasn't playing, um, I think that that speaks a ton to just her character and who, who she are, she, who she is as a person, but just, just the amount of love that she has, um, not just for me, but for, for everybody over here within the program. Um, I think it speaks volumes, but I, uh, I'm glad that she, uh, she could be there with me. She could see, see this, uh, this whole thing, um, through and through from beginning to end to end. So, uh, I wouldn't want anybody else in my corner. Absolutely. And, uh, you got an undergraduate degree in communications, but now you're working towards, uh, trying to get into nursing. Just uh, talk about the journey in that regard and what's next for you, uh, in terms of schooling. Yeah. Uh, so when, um, I actually had the chance, my mom, uh, got her, uh, nursing license uh, relatively late in her, her life. So um, probably a couple years before COVID hit, uh, she became a registered nurse. So I saw her throughout that whole process uh, pretty late. I think I was uh, in high school, I believe. Uh, so when thinking about like what you want to do, and I didn't really know what I wanted to do, um, I was kind of kept in my mind of, of remembering seeing my mom do all that. And then when COVID hit, um, just obviously it was a lot of a lot of burden um for everybody uh, with covid but it created a lot of opportunity for people in the medical field and i saw how much opportunity was presented uh just not just for my mom but for anybody within that scope um in that area of of occupation so i was like okay uh 
let's uh let's let's that kind of that back burner thought kind of kept slowly start more creeping up um into an actual actual career uh, a choice for me so um going forward uh i didn't really knew that i couldn't do the nursing and stuff like that while i was doing the football just because of the workload and the study load so um i wanted to wait till football was over but yeah after uh probably this upcoming semester i'll start taking like prerequisite classes um to be get my uh, bsn and you're going to have to maybe go out of state to go maybe take another step? Uh, yes, possibly. I have um, – we have a house being built in Texas right now, so uh, we'll figure out – bar nothing going on, anything like that. Um, we'll see the timeline as far as when I'll move out there. So I'll probably go to school. I'm looking at U Texas, uh, Rio Grande Valley when I'm actually out there. That's a four-year. Uh, but until then, probably just some CC classes, um, just bang out some some quick prerequisites or something like that. How much do you want to stay involved in the game of football? And I ask you with uh, your playing career officially coming to an end, get involved in coaching someday. Um, Definitely. I think, I think that me being here for such a long time and seeing uh, so many kind of people come in and out, that I've gotten a lot of perspective and a lot of experience from other people, maybe not necessarily as I'm getting the experience myself, but you gain a lot of, a lot of knowledge from being just around football for so long. So um, I definitely think it'd be, in whoever's best interest for me to give that knowledge out. Um, so yeah, I have thought about like even going back to Cranston East and coaching or something like that. Um, I just got to make sure that I got my, my uh, track um, as far as my life set first before I start jumping into things like that. But it's always going to be a thought. You're always going to be surrounded by football. I mean, after you've been playing for so long, it's just, it's a part of you. So it's never going to go away, but um, I definitely think that it could be something in the future for sure. Because, you know, like we talked about even last week and then even even earlier in this podcast, you have a great story to share in terms of sticking with the process. And like you said, you know, you got to put a whole lot of notes to the grindstone if you want to, uh, you know, get to where you wanted, which is become a scholarship athlete. And it wasn't something that was handed to you. And I'm sure that's a story that, you know, regardless of where you go in life, you'll be able to tell and hopefully relate to up and coming football players who think that, you know, everything is about self gratification, everything. It, it's not always going to be that way. You're going to have to put the hard work in. And I'm sure that's something you could easily share if you have the opportunity to do so. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, when I was, like I said, when I was um, back in high school, I really only had like Marv to look at as far as people that's going from where I'm from going forward um, as far as the uh, division one program. So if you can, if I can be a seed to somebody else going forward, then that's just keeps the cycle going. And like I said, keep that small Rhode Island community of football, just, just being able to showcase what we can do at the next level. Malik Gavitt, Cranston native, member of the URI football team. You're officially off the hot seat. I appreciate you <laughs> time with me and, uh, you know, best of luck going forward first in schooling in terms of nursing, and uh, hopefully we'll see you on the sideline with a headset sooner uh, rather than later. Yeah, sooner rather than later. Who knows? Thank you so much for your time and having me. It's been a pleasure. And that should do it for the latest episode of Ocean State Sidelines. We'll be back with a new episode relatively soon. But until then, take care, everyone, and thanks for listening.